This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew 3, 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness or the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with, re- with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. When I was in eighth grade, my family went to Disney World. Super excited, you know, for an eighth grader. Never been to Disney World. And we went uh, at the tail end of Christmas break, so I even got out of school a little extra, and, and we were excited. My sister and brother and I had been to uh, amusement parks before, Cedar Point and such, but we'd never been to Disney World. And we liked roller coasters, so we did a little... Well, I guess we weren't using the internet, but whatever we were doing back in 1989, read up on Disney World, and we saw that they had a roller coaster called Space Mountain. Anybody been on Space Mountain? Okay, a few people. All right, all right. So we were excited, right? It sounded really cool. It's like indoors and special effects and all this stuff. And well, it's a long drive. We were in Michigan at the time, driving to Florida. So we had plenty of hours listening to Michael Jackson and Willie Nelson, our road trip music to get excited for Disney World, but especially for Space Mountain. So, you know, we got there, got our, you know, passes or lanyards or whatever they give you, and we made a beeline for Space Mountain. So we wanted to beat the line, and we got there and there was no line, and we're like, yes, this is perfect. But then we see a little sign that says, Space Mountain is closed for refurbishment. It'll be open in two weeks. What? You gotta be kidding me. 
We came all the way. Do you know how far we drove? <laughs> and so we were just, you know, crushed. We were sad, you know, and I wasn't about to be cheered up by Mickey Mouse or a ride on the teacups. Uh, and so, you know, just started on the wrong foot. And, you know, for a 14-year-old, I felt gypped. I felt this is terrible. I thought, life is terrible. Right? But if my 14-year-old self had been able to pan out a little wider, I might have remembered that here we were in Florida where it was warm and most of my friends were in the snow. And I was there with my family who loved each other, all of us healthy, together. It blasted Disney World, right? But so often, isn't it the case that when something goes wrong or something isn't quite right, we focus in on that point of pain or we focus in on that one thing and we miss the bigger picture. Well, John the Baptist in our text, comes on the scene saying, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Something beautiful and amazing is at hand. And you can imagine a number of people saying, really, John? Have you looked around at all lately? We are under the thumb of Rome. Political situation, not so great. Economic situation, perhaps even worse. Many of us have lost our jobs, or we've lost our land, or we're working at subsistence level at best. John, things aren't so great. And so it wouldn't be surprising for a number of folks to wonder and to question at his announcement. But John had been able to see beyond the current realities in the current situation. And he had captured a vision of something else, a glimpse, I think, of the vision that we heard read from the prophet Isaiah of a time when the people would be ruled with justice and equity and fairness and when God's creation would be in balance and in harmony. But how does he get this vision? Well, we know that John goes out to the desert. He goes out to the desert. And I think what he's doing as he does that is stepping out of the systems that they're in. He's stepping out of everyday life, everyday society. And when he's in that place a little bit removed, he puts himself in a place to see anew, to hear perhaps a whisper of the voice of God. And so I believe that as he was in that desert, he spent some time in silence, some time in prayer, some time in contemplation. And he is captured by this vision. And filled with this vision, John says, the time is now, everyone. The time is now. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And I think we might say the time is always now, and the kingdom is always at hand, isn't it? Because now is the only time we have. Well, the prophet Isaiah, as we heard read, invites us to imagine a day when the knowledge, or we might say awareness, of the Lord fills the earth. He says, as the waters cover the sea, 
And we know that God is love. And so Isaiah invites us to imagine a day when awareness of, when we are awake to, or as one uh, Jewish rendering of this text in Isaiah says, devotion to, when we're awake and devoted to the divine heart of love in such a way that it fills the earth. That's the vision he invites us to capture. And John says that time is now. That time is now. And so he says, repent or align yourself. Align yourself with that love now. So the invitation is to expand and to see the wider, fuller view. To imagine. To imagine a world where all people and all creation are in harmony. And to begin to live like that is so. But what might such imagination look like? Right? It's one thing to think about that, and maybe even to glimpse it, but what might it actually look like and how we live our lives? Well, some people had that exact question for John in, as we read in the Gospel of Luke, another accounting of John the Baptist's activities. In Luke 3, the crowd asked, well, what should we do then if the kingdom is here? What should we do? And John says, or at least I imagine him saying, imagine there is enough for everyone. And then he does say, if you have two coats, share with the person who doesn't have one. If you've got extra food, do the same. No doubt there are people in your own community who don't have enough. So imagine we have a world where there is enough for everyone. And then begin to enact that. Begin to step into that. And some tax collectors say, well, what about us? What should we do? And he says, don't collect more than you're required to. Right? Don't keep perpetuating the unjust systems that we have. Begin to enact a new system. And some soldiers say, well, what about us? And he says, don't abuse your authority. Don't abuse your position. And so John invites us, whatever our position is, to begin to enact that vision of harmony wherever we are. But of course, John lived in, and we too live in a world that often lacks imagination. Or perhaps we use our imagination another way. We imagine the worst. We imagine the worst, and then we create systems to protect ourselves from the worst. My car insurance was due recently, and I reviewed that and realized that I'm paying per year probably what my 2004 car is worth just to protect it in case something happens to it. Right? We set up these systems where we imagine the worst is probably going to happen, so then we better take steps to protect ourselves from the worst. I was at Best Buy a few weeks ago, bought this digital recorder so I could record our Sunday times together and find this little digital device. And of course, as you're paying for it, they're like, do you want to buy insurance on that? Because you know it might break, and what are you going to do then? <laughs> right? So we imagine the worst, and then that's how we act. We could think about that with home security, right? Home security is a good business because we imagine I'm probably going to get broken into, and 
We can't have that, right? So we want to protect ourselves. Or the gun industry, right? Someone might break in, so I better be able to defend myself. So I better have one or five guns on hand. And our politicians often invite us to imagine the worst, and to be very afraid. And then we vote based on fear. Or if we think about our military spending, we imagine the worst is probably going to happen. So we better just keep spending all this money to protect ourselves in case the worst happens. Well, John is pretty harsh in our text at points, isn't he? As some of these people are coming to him, he says, hey, who warned you? You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Well, how could he be so harsh? Well, he's so harsh, I think, and particularly speaking to uh, some Pharisees and Sadducees who are coming, that is, some leaders in their community who are a part of perpetuating the disharmony and the injustices that are going on. And John is harsh because a selfish view, that is, a view that is all about me or those closest to me, closes in on itself. It closes in on itself and it perpetuates Injustice. It leads to us versus them, mine versus yours, me versus you. And in defense of selfishness, I think, you know, we are evolutionary beings, right? And I think we have something engineered within us when times are difficult to say, well, I need to look out for me, right? I need to protect myself and those nearest me. And so I think there's something within us, right, at a deep level that points us that way, right? But we're also called and invited to move beyond that to perhaps an even deeper impulse. And I think there are glimpses of a better imagination out there. A friend of mine just spent... uh, a trip in the Netherlands, uh, bicycling, just himself. I think four or five days, got a bicycle, went to the Netherlands, and just rode his bike around the Netherlands. I think that was his way of going to the desert, right? Of stepping out of his life as he knows it every day. Just having that time to decompress and just to renew and recharge himself. And he got back, and of course, he had a great experience, and so he shared one of these things. one of these articles, uh, or it was actually a little like a BuzzFeed video, seven facts that prove the Netherlands is the country of the future. And I'll, I'll read these quickly. Number one, it's the only country with no stray dogs. There are no homeless dogs due to strict laws against animal abuse. No is a, you know, saying there are none, that's, I don't know how they quite figure that out. I'm guessing maybe there's a couple, but. Two, it's home to the world's first solar-powered bike lane, and the 70-meter solar road generates 70 kilowatts per square meter per year. There are charging points for electric cars every 50 meters. There's a town where nobody drives cars. The town plan prioritizes pedestrians and cyclists over cars. And in fact, selling gasoline and diesel-powered cars will be banned by the year 2025. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And so that to me says there's, a, there's imagination at work there, isn't there? We can imagine things differently than we're doing now. And we're going to begin to enact some things that move us into a different reality. Number six says they keep closing prisons due to lack of inmates, and they've closed 19 prisons since 2009. They can imagine a better way to respond to crime than locking people up. And number seven, there are wildlife crossings over roads and highways for animals living in the forests. The Netherlands has 6,000 crossings and eco-ducts for animals. Have you ever seen one of these? It's like they have like grass and, you know, earth and dirt and trees right over the highways so that animals are able to have a path instead of crossing the road as uh, we often experience. Uh, and again, to me, that just be, it speaks to the beginnings of imagining things a little bit different. And I added an eighth. They also have universal national health care and are rated the top country in Europe for health care. Again, it's probably not perfect, right? But they can imagine that it makes sense to create and provide for health care for the least among us, for everyone among us. And my friend said, I was just biking there for four days, and the reality I experienced is even better than you might see on this little video. He says, see what respect for good and strong government does to people, but I would say, see what imagination at work looks like. And there are other instances of imagination at work. In many countries, police are not armed, which seems incredible, right? What are police for if they don't have guns? Kind of our U.S. Western idea of things. But in fact, in Iceland, uh, police are generally not armed. And when a policeman shot a man in 2013, it was the first time police had used their firearms and killed a person in the history of that country. We can't go a week in this country without seeing episodes of that sort. And in New Zealand, they say it is more dangerous to be a farmer than an unarmed police officer. It's more dangerous to be a farmer than to be an unarmed police officer. Instead of imagining the worst, we are invited to imagine the best. And as we heard in our reading earlier, imagination works. Imagination works. So a little brief experiment. Pretend that uh, you have a lemon in your hand. Pretend each of us has a lemon. Then imagine you also have a knife and maybe a cutting board because you don't want to cut yourself. And you cut that thing into four little sections. So you notice the, the, the rind of the fruit and the yellowness and now you can see the flesh of the fruit. And imagine you take one of those quarters of that lemon and squeeze it into your tongue. Squeeze that lemon right in your mouth. Come on, let me see your hand up. Just squeeze that lemon into your mouth. Just imagine that lemon juice right on your tongue. I saw a reaction right here, right? I saw a reaction. If you're really imagining it, your tongue and your mouth will respond as if you, almost as if you just had lemon juice. 
And neuroscience shows that when we imagine something at a deep level, the same areas in our brain fire as if we are actually experiencing it. And so we are invited to imagine that the kingdom of heaven is near. And I'm so grateful we have artists and poets and singers who help us imagine a world more beautiful than the one we have. And in fact, we'll sing of that in just a moment, the familiar tune which says, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill and die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. If we can imagine the best and then begin to live like it, it will not be a stretch for us to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Namaste.
I'd like to say thank you again to Peter and Bethany for leading us in music. This morning, Peter came all the way from Muskegon, so why don't we give him a hand? Appreciate it, and I have to say it was fun to sing Imagine in Church. A little bit naughty, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> I invite you to stick around after we're done here. There's coffee and goodies, chance to meet somebody new. On the back, you'll notice some things upcoming. We've got a couple of pub theology gatherings happening this week. Friday coffee time for Gooder. There is a contemplative listening circle happening this Saturday at Mark and Amy Ornelis' home. In two weeks, we're doing a potluck after worship at Bethany's place, so that's going to be awesome. Beer and carols. Please note, we had to change the date for beer and carols. That's now happening the 21st at Sunday Brewing. And we will be having a Christmas Eve service here at the Eve, 5 o'clock. Not a Christmas Day service. We're also not having service on New Year's Day. So, just note on your calendar. And now as you go from this place, may you know that the world is too beautiful to be praised by only one voice. So may you have the courage to sing your heart. The world is too broken to be healed by only one set of hands. And so may you have the courage to use your gifts. As you go, may the light of God shine upon you and within you and through you. Amen. to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.